0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us hear the word of God from Acts chapter 2. It is written, When the day of Pentecost had arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be made known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the de- definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible. For him to be held by it. And now at verse 32. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And now at verse 36, the Apostle Peter concluded his Pentecost Day sermon by saying, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And now unto him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood, to Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, glory, and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The sermon title, Pentecost for Presbyterians, is intended to pique your curiosity. You might not automatically think that the words Pentecost and Presbyterian naturally go together, (laughs) but that is highly unfortunate. And it's due to a popular misunderstanding of Pentecost and a popular misunderstanding of what the Bible teaches about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. You know that every time we affirm the Apostles' Creed, we say, I believe in in the Holy Spirit. Today, when we affirm the Heidelberg Catechism, number one, we will affirm the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know that every time we open the Word of God, we first of all pray for the illumination of the Holy Spirit, the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to enlighten the eyes of our hearts so that we might behold the wonders of God in the Scripture. You know that every time we administer the sacraments we pray for the Holy Spirit to make the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper effectual in our lives. Pentecost for Presbyterians? Yes, indeed. And so today on Pentecost Sunday 2020 I want us to approach this under three major headings. First of all, the historical significance of Pentecost. Second, the personal significance of Pentecost. Third, the practical significance of Pentecost. So first of all, the historical significance of that particular day of Pentecost recorded in Acts 2. And the historical significance of what we read in Acts 2 is that It publicly inaugurated, it it publicly demonstrated the arrival of the new covenant era in which we live today with Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, on the throne at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, with the person, presence, and power of the Holy Spirit indwelling. All those who receive Jesus Christ as Lord through repentance of their sins and faith in Him. The events of that day about which we read marked a significant shift in history from the Old Covenant era to the New Covenant era in which we live, and that matters to us. The background is this. The day of Pentecost was an Old Testament annual Jewish feast day from the time of Moses. So the Israelites, the Jews, had been celebrating it for 1,300 years by the time we get to Acts chapter 2. And the word Pentecost is a Greek word. It literally means 50th day. And the feast of Pentecost occurred on the 50th day after the Sabbath of the Passover week which means that this particular day of Pentecost in Acts 2 occurred on the 50th day after the Sabbath of that Passover which means that it was the 50th day from the resurrection of Jesus. That's the connection I want you to see and so it is today starting with Easter Sunday as day one, we are now at day 50, the day of Pentecost. But the reason that we're doing the math is that I want you to see the connection between the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, what it means for us, and the resurrection of Jesus. Those things are integrally connected Sometimes people think of the day of Pentecost or the Pentecost experience as something that's just uh, extraneous or miscellaneous, sort of this strange thing that happened. You read about it in the book of Acts. No, 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 no. You've got to look at it as part of, integrally related to, inseparably connected to, part and parcel of Jesus' great work of salvation for us. Look at the work of Jesus for our salvation as an unbroken chain of events. His holy conception, His virgin birth, His sinless life, His crucifixion, burial, resurrection, ascension into heaven, and His outpouring of the Holy Spirit on that day of Pentecost. It is an unbroken chain of events It is His great work of salvation for us. And now, the only remaining event in His great work of salvation, which is yet to occur, is His coming again in power and glory on the last day. And that's the reason that we can say we live in the last day days as Peter as uh, Peter quoting Joel says we are in the last days because we are in that final phase before Christ comes again whenever that may be and there's no I'm not predicting anything about that but we've got to see the day of Pentecost as integrally related to the great work of Christ for our salvation and it's all about him as we can see from Peter's Pentecost Day sermon. In that sermon, Peter demonstrated that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit was a fulfillment of prophecy, the prophecy not only of Joel and of King David, which he quotes, it's also a fulfillment of the prophecy and promise of Jesus Himself. On the night of the Last Supper, Jesus said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth. You know him, for he dwells with you through Jesus' incarnate presence with them with at that time, and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And just prior to his ascension into heaven, Jesus promised his apostles, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And it all started right there in Jerusalem on that day of Pentecost. The apostles and the other believers, Luke tells us that the group numbered 120, they remained in Jerusalem following Jesus' ascension. On the 40th day after his resurrection and on the day of Pentecost they were gathered together there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind and then the appearance of what looked like tongues of fire resting on each of the believers and we know from elsewhere in scripture that wind and fire are symbolic representations or illustrations of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And the believers then were empowered with the Holy Spirit and Luke tells us that they proclaimed the mighty works of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, in the various known languages of the Roman Empire. Jews from all over the known world were gathered in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost and they heard the believers proclaiming the mighty works of god in their own languages of those various regions of the roman empire and that was the miracle of the other tongues on the day of pentecost the proclamation of the gospel in the known languages of the various regions of the known world which were uh, enumerated for us in this passage That's the point, you sort of have the world map there, all those place names that we read. And the point is, the world was gathered in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was ground zero, the epicenter, the launch pad for the gospel to go to all the nations of the world. It's a sort of prophetic picture of what was yet to come. And in that Pentecost Day sermon, you see, the Apostle Peter didn't focus on the supernatural uh, external manifestations of the work of the Holy Spirit. He, ser- he focused on the work of Jesus Christ crucified and risen and ascended to the right hand of God. And the whole point of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2 was to show that God had raised Jesus from the dead and had given Him the authority as the anointed King, the Messiah, to give the gift of the Holy Spirit to all of His people. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, He has poured out this which you yourselves are seeing and hearing. Let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. I want to remind you of Peter on the night of Jesus' arrest, standing by the fire (laughs) as Jesus was being mocked by the high priest and you remember Peter's response to the servant girl you remember how Peter performed on that night this is a new man this is a new man on the day of Pentecost filled with the Holy Spirit and not afraid to say to the establishment in Jerusalem you crucified him Not for the sake of condemning them, but for the sake of calling them to conversion. And when they heard it, they were cut to the heart. Now that's biblical language to say the Holy Spirit was circumcising their heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? They came under the conviction of sin. What shall we do? Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And on that day, the Holy Spirit empowered the preaching of the gospel. And more than 3,000 people believed and were added to the church. And the gospel of Christ continued to spread throughout the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. And here we sit today 2,000 years later on the other side of the globe worshiping Jesus Christ as Lord I believe in the Holy Spirit and it all began on that day of Pentecost recorded in Acts 2 and that's the historical significance Of the day of Pentecost. That gets us to the second major heading, the personal significance of Pentecost. What is the personal significance of Pentecost? Let me pose the question this way, how can the crucifixion of a man 2,000 years ago make any difference in your life? How can you be justified before God by the righteousness of another man? How can you be justified by God, assured of a right standing with God by the righteousness of another man? How can that possibly be? How can the death of a man on a Roman cross cleanse you from your sins? How can that possibly be? Let me read you now a quote from John Calvin that gets at this point. First, we must understand that as long as Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from Him, All that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value for us. Let me repeat that, because that's what's at stake here. We must understand that as long as Christ remains outside of us, and we're separated from him, all that he has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value for us. In other words, if the historical facts of Jesus' life, even if we intellectually, cognitively acknowledge them, if they are nothing more than historical facts to us, they are useless and of no value. So how does Jesus' life and death and resurrection and ascension into heaven have a real effect in your personal life? This is the personal significance of Pentecost. And it is supernatural. It is miraculous. The Holy Spirit brings Jesus to us personally and brings us to Jesus personally and in that union of faith a great exchange takes place he receives all of our sin and guilt and spiritual poverty we receive the riches of his righteousness holiness and grace this is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in the salvation of sinners. And the Holy Spirit does that by giving us the gift of faith by which we, we come to Christ personally and receive all the benefits of His work for our salvation. It's one thing, it's one thing to have heard and to have acknowledged that Jesus died on a cross. It's quite another thing. For me to believe that Jesus died on that cross for me. Because of me and instead of me. It's one thing to intellectually acknowledge the historical bodily resurrection of Jesus. It is quite another thing to believe that Jesus rose for me. to guarantee that my body will be raised from the dead and be made like His glorious body. It is one thing to say that, yes, Jesus ascended into heaven. It is quite another thing to, to believe that He ascended into heaven on my behalf and He ascended seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty as my mediator, my intercessor, my great high priest, and the one who is preparing a place for me with him in heaven. It is one thing to know about Jesus Christ. It is quite another thing to know him as your personal Lord and Savior. Because the definition of a true Christian is not merely to acknowledge certain articles of faith and then try to live a morally upright life, but rather to know Jesus Christ in the power of His death and resurrection for you, and therefore to give yourself over to Him in faith and love. And that comes only through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, bringing Jesus to us And us to Jesus, that's the personal significance of Pentecost. We are blind to the glory of Christ unless the Holy Spirit opens our eyes. We are deaf to the good news of the gospel unless the Holy Spirit opens our ears. Our hearts are hardened against the love of God unless the Holy Spirit gives us a new heart. And we are dead in our trespasses and sins unless the Holy Spirit regenerates us and gives us new life with a new heart and a new mind and a new will and a true desire to know God and to love Him. Born again by the Spirit, We are adopted as children of the Father, the adopted brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ and heirs together with Him of the glory of the kingdom of God. And unless a person is born again by the Spirit of God, he or she will never see the kingdom of God. Jesus said that. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit who unites us to Christ, that a believer can truly say, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That is, the old man, dominated by sin, under the curse, has been crucified and put to death and buried with Christ. And therefore, it is only by the Holy Spirit uniting you to Jesus Christ that you know that you are a new creation in Christ. And that in the words of Ephesians 2, you have been made alive together with Him, raised up with Him, and seated with Him in the heavenly places. All of these gospel truths become spiritual realities in our lives only by our personal union with Christ in the bond of faith by the working of the Holy Spirit. What is what is the personal significance of Pentecost? As long as Christ remains outside of us and we're separated from Him, all that He has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value to us. The Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus and brings Jesus to us and unites us to him in a bond of faith so that we receive all of the spiritual blessings which are found with him. I want to ask that question again. How, how can you receive the righteousness of another man? How can you receive the love of God upon another man? Think Of the poor, ash-sweeping pauper, Cinderella. What happens when the prince finds her and takes her to be his bride? Everything that is his becomes hers. And she is born again. No longer a pauper, but a princess. Everything that is his becomes ours. That's how the gospel works, dearly beloved. Everything that is Christ becomes ours when we are wed to him, when we become one with him, in union with him through faith, and that is the work, the supernatural work, and the supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit. If you don't know that spiritual reality of union with Christ in your heart of hearts, today is the day of salvation you are hearing the gospel right now and the promise is everyone who calls on the name of the lord shall be saved so call upon him today as he calls to you now by his word and spirit and that gets us to the third major heading The practical significance of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit brings us to Christ and unites us with faith in Him, unites us to Him by the bond of faith, the Holy Spirit seals us. That's language from the letter to the Ephesians. That is, he, He puts the impress, the royal seal of the King upon us, This sealing by the Holy Spirit sets us apart as the Lord's possession. We no longer belong to ourselves. We no longer belong to the world. We belong to Him, bought with His own blood and renewed, given new life by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, therefore, sanctifies us, that is, separates us from the world as citizens of His kingdom as those who belong to Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit continues that work of sanctification, enabling us to put our sins to death and to walk in newness of life. Finally, we are set free from the slavery to sin, so that by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, We have both the desire and the ability to follow Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. And therefore, as those who have been set apart as God's holy people in Christ by the Spirit, we're called, empowered, gifted by the Spirit to live lives of of holiness, grateful obedience, joyful hope, and humble service. The The Holy Spirit equips us for life in the church with various gifts of service. And the Holy Spirit produces His fruit in the life of the believer, the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. The Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, gives us the grace even to rejoice in our sufferings. Romans 5.3 Because the Word of God assures us that even our sufferings are working a good purpose in our lives. That is, to conform us to the likeness of Jesus Christ in the assurance of God's unfailing love for us. The Holy Spirit dwelling within us intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray or what to pray for. And in our heart of hearts, the Holy Spirit bears witness within us that we are the children of God in union with Jesus Christ. Now, this is very personal. It is a kind of, it is a kind of spiritual intuition. But, you know, if you're married, there came a day, there came a day before, before you married your spouse, there came a day when your heart said to you, she's the one, he's the one. When your heart said to you, I love her, she loves me, I love him, he loves me. It's a knowing. It's a knowing that you know, that you know, that you know, what you know. You know it. This is the witness of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. The, work, the Holy Spirit works in the depths of the hearts of believers so that we know, that we know, that we know, that we know that God loves us and will love us forever because He has given His only Son, Jesus Christ, for us. And if you know that, If you know that you know that, then you know that only because the Holy Spirit has shed the love of God into your heart. That is a supernatural, miraculous working of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, brothers and sisters, this is just a brief survey of the practical significance of Pentecost. The fact that the Lord has provided His presence and power to us so that we may live faithfully and courageously and joyfully, shall we say, cheerfully, not fearfully, in this world with the hope of everlasting glory. And so now, so now, as we live in a time of crisis, a time of chaos, Let us remember that Jesus Christ is on the throne. We belong to Him. He has empowered us with His Spirit. Let us live that way. Only the Holy Spirit now can empower us to live as witnesses of Jesus Christ in this terribly troubled nation of ours. Only the Holy Spirit through the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to deliver men and women from the dominion of darkness and bring them into the light of Christ's kingdom. That's the only answer. Only the Holy Spirit through the gospel of Christ can tear down the walls of division in our nation and bring the peace of Christ to our troubled land. And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And here we are. And we need to pray for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit so that we may live as witnesses. So that we may live as witnesses of the redeeming, reconciling, life-giving, power of Jesus Christ right here in Washtenaw Parish. And so, dearly beloved, pray daily to be filled and replenished with the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you both the desire and the ability to obey God's Word. Ask the Holy Spirit to increase your personal devotion to Jesus Christ Pray for the Holy Spirit to embolden you in your witness for Christ. Peter was no coward. And there are no cowards in the kingdom of God. Pray for the Holy Spirit to guide you with the wisdom of Christ which comes through His written word. Pray for the Holy Spirit to confirm in your heart the love of God for you. And pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you with the love of Christ so that you may love others just as Christ has loved you. And let us pray for the Holy Spirit to move mightily across our troubled nation to bring peace and healing and racial reconciliation and to reform this nation in accordance with the word of God in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ because there is no other answer. What is the practical significance of Pentecost? The power to live as the church of Jesus Christ, faithful to the end until he receives us into glory. Pentecost for Presbyterians? You bet. I believe in the Holy Spirit. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you For your word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword, your word, which is the sword of the Spirit, your word, which convicts and converts and consecrates us as your people, come, Holy Spirit, and do your work by your word in our hearts, minds, and souls, so that we may bear witness to Jesus Christ in all we say and do. To the glory of your name, amen.